Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbrey is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Well, you know what they say, a day late and a dollar short, and that's just about accurate. How is everybody doing on this Father's Day weekend? Father's Day Day today, Sunday, June 16th, 2019, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome. Thank you for listening either on one of the many, many ways that you're listening on the Google podcast or Apple podcast or at the home of Perception is Reality, which is perception.fireside.fm. I'm excited today. We are a day late. We should have been out yesterday. That's when this episode should have been out. But we had an interview lined up, and I couldn't get with our guest until today. So last night's episode is today. So thank you for joining us today or for listening whenever you do listen to it. It's going to be a great episode where we talk with a gentleman who was a player in the scene for some time and still has a pretty active uh, situation going on. We'll get to all of that. We're going to look at his background and his time in the big office and get some insight on where he sees everything now and maybe his... uh, thoughts on where the future is headed so i'm excited to announce drum roll please our special guest for today's episode of perception is reality is none other than former republican mayor of the city of muncie david dominic so it's going to be fun having him on the show and talking with him picking his brain and just seeing where things are since he left office in 1996. So sit back. Right after this break, we'll be talking to former Mayor Muncie, David Dominic, talking to him about his time in office and picking his brain on the current climate in Muncie. Now we go on the record with a one-on-one interview designed to engage, entertain, or enrage you. Perception is reality. On the record. I want to welcome a very special guest, Muncie's 26th mayor, former Republican mayor, David Dominic. Mayor, hello, welcome. How are you doing? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show today. Absolutely. Very good. Well, so for those that might not know uh, about you, might have been younger during the time, or might not be from Muncie, and listening from someplace else, let's give a little bit of background. Sure. You served one uh, term from 1992 to 1996, leaving on your own accord at the end of that term. You were 
the ripe old age of what, 31 when you took office? Yeah, so it was uh, 31 when I took office, and when I left at 35. Okay, so that was uh, you were fairly young to be a mayor of a, of a city as big, so that's that's good. Um, your election, in my, from my point of view, was kind of a big deal because you edged out uh, two-term big Democrat powerhouse James Carey. Um, and by looking at the yeah. stats, it said that you won that November election uh, 8,255 votes to Carey's 7,844 votes. Is that, does that seem correct? <laughs> I think it was like 411 votes on the final election in that night. And I was losing. I was losing nationally. I kind of had a pretty good lead. And uh, I had a lot of election. A lot of the the Republican key uh, precincts had not been reported yet. And then when those numbers started to come in, I, I was able to pull off the election and then... Um, and proceed to go into transition okay. so I can be with the team in, in the next year. Okay. Well, very good. Well, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask you a few just basic questions before we get into kind of the bigger stuff. Um, as we were talking just on the phone call before uh, the recording, did you have a primary challenger? There is um, on the Republican side, I think we had about Either four or five of us, and then on the Democrat side, there was probably eight to ten um, candidates uh, trying to unseat Kerry. And then my biggest challenger at the time was uh, Richard Inberg, who became county clerk, and then also for a period of time was Monty's watchdog, government watchdog, and um, but he. Uh, Gave me a good run for the, in the primary. I think I won the primary uh, in election by 99 votes. And then Jim won his primary. And then uh, Mayor Kerry uh, and I and it went into the general election. And and so that was the kind of result of that, that race. And then prior to the primary, during the primary, um, actually, I was having coffee with. Mayor Kerry on a Friday morning when um, we were, it was a filing deadline for public office. And I had a news release for Thursday night to the um, Star Press, or the Star at the time, the Monkey Star, and indicated that I wasn't going to seek uh, the nomination or the, the position. And then I had a scheduled a 10 o'clock breakfast meeting with Jim Kieran and Silly Hill. And I got to his office at 10 o'clock my time to see if I could get the man to appoint me to a Parks and Rec board and get my feet wet at that level versus jumping into the mayor's race. And so then um, he was kind of disappointed in the news and kind of encouraged me to reconsider. So then within two hours, um, I was checking down this, uh, the courthouse and filing for a mayor. And then the paper that made the Dominic changes his mind, he's running for mayor. So that began the journey. And Jim had always been a good supporter of my work, but he might be becoming mayor. And certainly was mayor, was um, executive uh, director of junior achievements prior to that. And then 
I don't know, I was serving in, in the British Council of the District Executives as uh, you know, the British High Council. You know, I was dabbling in some politics, but um, really didn't uh, get too involved until after the campaign. Absolutely. Um, and what what was your relationship like with Mayor Kerry before you before you uh, ran and during the campaign? What how how was your was it was it a contentious race? Was it polite? I mean, how did that how did that go? A few years ago, right when I graduated from the state before being a product of Mike City, uh, St. Harvey School, McKinley Middle School, and Mike Central in Ball State. Um, after I graduated from college, I went to work for the Scouts in um, Franklin, Indiana, and then brought me over to um, Richmond, Indiana, and then they moved me back to Muncie. And, and so when I was looking for the Scouts in Muncie or whatever, either the volunteer, the head of the nominating committee, or a proclamation, Mayor Carey was always there for me. And then um, when I was at the Junior Achievement Organization of your CEO president, I knew the proclamations and support from City Hall. Jim was always there for me. And he being, other for being Catholic, I was at St. Lawrence and he was at St. Mary's. And his wife was my librarian at Munchie Central. So I knew them for a long time and that they had a lot of respect. And uh, during the campaign, um, the primary that didn't, didn't even connect, our parents never connected uh, during the summer and, and to the fall campaign before the general election. Um, we had a couple of debates, and I was I always try to run, run a positive campaign. Sure. Um, because I like the guy; he was very likable. He was one playing. Um, he was good for Muncie at the time. He was just a, you know, a solid politician. He'd been a, a three-term police chief, two-term sheriff. And then he was trying to seek a third term as mayor. And so, during the campaign, it was, it was really, really difficult for me to, to get negative. And I tried to be issue-driven most of the time. And, and so... Um, I tried to, I hammered in my, I think mostly on the taxes and spending when I ran for office because he, I mean, he really did, um, he was a great cheerleader for our city and, and, and really cared about Muncie. So it was very difficult for me to, to really uh, come after him in a, like a, a tactile fashion. Right, absolutely. Well, you're beyond, and after we, go ahead. Yeah, after we got, after I got elected, it was from, um, it was a kind of hot and cold relationship at first. Um, I organized the task force or a blue ribbon committee of community leaders. We had a black tie up there at the convention show, kind of This Is Your Life tribute to Jim and Marilyn Carey for his service, public service life. And I tried to start my term off on a, on a positive note um, to... Um, Recognize him in it for his efforts, and then we uh, just a nice tribute to him and his wife. And then I know he uh, then became the, the urban zone that was connected was 
how that was a chamber of commerce offices. Jen uh, became their executive director, and I worked with Jen um, when I needed uh, support of the urban zone, the UEA uh, group. And um, and then uh, when he, my left office, he decided to run again, and that's when he ran against Jim Jerry. I think we had a for the most part, and I learned that. I really appreciate Jim just being there because it, it, it is a really challenging and difficult role at times. But um, I do have a lot of respect for all the previous mayors. Even our current mayor, that you had to join that role, you get a lot of, you get a lot of problems with that. So. Yeah. And uh, it's not an easy role at times. I think everyone comes in with the right affections. I can make a difference to make our community better. And so, um, I enjoyed campaigning uh, against Jim. Um, and again, it's getting a message out, hoping that you get the right voters to come out and cross over and they'll also vote for you as, as you're trying to add. Absolutely. Well, beyond, beyond the relationship that you would have had with Mayor Carey, uh, Talk a little bit about so before you were mayor. I mean, did had had you ever ran for office for another political office, or did you have political? How did you get to the point of running for mayor in in ninety one? Coming up through the Republican um, Party. I never ran for office before. Um, like in the government, I've done service clubs and different things like that, but different organizations, but never public office. I was a kind of warrior of the oil party volunteers. I was raised Democrat, but in my high school, my first my first uh, candidate that I supported for mayor was Jack Denetti when he ran for mayor. And he just on his campaign in, in high school. And I was running as a Democrat, and now I went to the last day. I switched over to being a uh, Republican. And so... I did not um, have any really political experience prior to that race. Um, I was approached by the Republican Party the week of the filing uh, deadline, saying that they were doing some prospecting for some good candidates to file, and um, somehow my name came up on a short list. And so then the county chair at the time about five approached me and asked if I would consider running. So that week I read it with my friends and family if I should or not. Um, and most of my friends that I was kind of um, tricky in with were all Democrats, um, <laughs> active in the Democrat Party, Jack Court, in the White House. And, um, and some of those folks that I knew were very active in the, in the political arena and trying to get their take on. If I should have been on the most of their most of their face was I wouldn't run if I were you. Like you don't really have a chance against Jim Carrey, and I I would probably not run if I were in your shoes. Yeah, but then I thought you know that was up a good fight, and um, I mean it. Uh, we'll see what happens. If I don't win, I might tend to run. Don't run again, um, and not really get beat up too bad election wise. Right. And so then I went to campaign school during the summer to learn how to campaign. Senator Luger came to my came to my aid at different times during the year to support me on the campaign trail and um and sort of, and then just tried to follow the the 
the rule book on where you get your votes and how you get your votes and just start in the primary to focus primarily on Republican precincts. Um, towards the general election, I really went to the south side of Monterey, the north side, uh, the east side, and it really focused on there with that. Um, I needed to get some support from going for the general election. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so you win your election. You come in in January of 92. Uh, your city council, from memory and, and looking back and doing some research, looks like your, your council was uh, a 7-2 to two, uh, makeup and that your council was Democrat, so you were dealing with the opposition council. What was your relationship oh, yeah. like with the council? Uh, good question. Um, the first thing you have is very challenging. Um, when you when you have the county the county chair, uh at the time was Phil Nichols and and a fake fireman serving on my council and then you had uh Winston Bland, you had John Hurst, and then you had Mary Kay Chambers. Yeah. Um you know, you and Monty from the Wake District, um, it was really, it was kind of a two split. And then on the Democrat, on the Republican side, I had Jack Eisenbarger and Dave Taylor. Um, and Jack had been uh, a long term Republican, also had been a former uh, superintendent of the Department of Transportation for, I don't know, Governor Bowen. I mean, Dave Taylor had been kind of council for years. And so for the first two years, I just wanted to, like, get elected. There was a sack, I think, to the, the Democrat headquarters that we were able to pull it off. Absolutely. Um, so then all of a sudden, where you didn't have a Republican in a while since Alan Wilson was mayor, now all of a sudden you have nothing to do with a, a Republican administration. <laughs> My first challenge was um, when it came to legal counsel. The, the mayor had three attorneys in the, in the current budget at the time. And normally um, the city council would be on one of those attorneys to represent them when there was counsel issues that needed legal counsel. And so right from the get-go, before I took office, um, at the time, Winston Brandon, who was a councilman, came to me and asked if I would give up one of my city attorneys uh, and let the city council have him for, for their purposes. And I indicated the policy need was money for attorneys to be political. And so, you're welcome to use my team of suing. Um, and so, we didn't agree on that. And so then, that kind of set them, set me up on, a, on the wrong foot with them for a period of time. I ended up doing something different than most administrations did in the past. Instead of having three different law firms possibly represent the city, at the time I went to one of the larger law firms in town, uh, and asked Scott Shockley and his law firm to represent the city so that we can leverage the talents of that law, law firm for whether it was for uh, human resources, environmental uh, negotiations with employees, unions. Um, but 
I don't know what your firm um, tap into their resources instead of having you know these smaller uh, law firms representing your city. It's a little more kind of upset the Democrat council and also especially by Republican attorney friends that were hoping to get some jobs out of um, some city business with the new administration, but when I invested all of our legal resources in the one firm, and that kind of eliminated other firms from representing the city. So in my first two years, there was a lot of... The council did not want me to be successful overall, and so I was... had several vetoes over different issues that I kind of grew on. I would veto, and then I would come back and overwhelm my vetoes, and then my two... um, (laughs) My two um, Republican council counselors uh, would kind of encourage me to vote a certain way or try to guide me a certain way. And then I wasn't getting anything done. I tried. Uh, my first big uh, project was the annex, parts of the city, but we weren't in the city at the time. Somehow, back in the day, I don't know who was, was responsible and who was the blame, but if you look at the sanitary district, the district boundaries are larger than the city limits. And my challenge was a lot of these folks that were living outside the city limits were receiving city benefits and city services without having to pay city taxes. Yeah. So the township was providing fire service at a cheaper rate. Um, you were getting your sewers and your sewage and everything connected out there without having to pay city taxes. I was trying to shore some of that up. And so my first attempt was to, to bring in several parts of the city that were getting those services that weren't technically a part of the city. And then and some of those areas were also Republican neighborhoods, and, um, like Robinwood. Yeah. And I got blistered by, my, my, by people from my own party. Um, I got blistered by um, the Democrats didn't want me to, uh, to be successful. <laughs> and so then, at my first attempt at annexation failed. So in my second attempt before I left, I was like, I'm going to give it one more sure, sure, I, I try. And so I wanted to get some things accomplished as mayor. And I knew if I didn't work closely, more closely with the Democrats, I wouldn't get that's uh, my my stuff accomplished. So then I started meeting uh, one-on-ones with um, one of the council on that was Bill Nichols on many occasions um, as, as a district uh, councilman. And um, so then I decided so I'm going to do another attempt at the annexation. At that time, I wanted to annex parts of the industrial park where Westinghouse and... Um, Delco Battery, some of those plants oh, yeah. were, and then the Chamber of Commerce came after me. They were really upset with me for a period of time. But, and, as you know, with most Chamber of Commerce, Commerce is a lot of their leadership is Republican. And um, they, were, they were happy with me at all because they were thinking that was going to impact the businesses out there on a negative basis. But I also, during that four years of office, kept going back and forth with Bill Chambers it was at its time was our um, Township trustee, and 
their care is really getting their fair township a great deal on, on public safety. Yeah. Fire safety. I mean, you deal with being like maybe 100,000 or so a year for having that kind of fire service available. And then both state also had a sweet deal with fire service. Um, I think back in the day, they brokered with the city for a snorkel truck in exchange for a fire service. And, um, and so I'm just trying to try to create a better uh, playing field when it comes to providing city service and making sure that people are paying their fair share. So my four years, it was kind of a love relationship with my, my, my nine councilmen. There at the end, I think my seven councilmen enjoyed working with me better than they did the first two years. <laughs> I think my, my last my last year is my two Republicans ready for probably that I wasn't running for re-election because I wasn't, I was, I was trying to get things done and I wasn't playing the party politics. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, talking about that party politics, uh, you know, during that time, um, you know, coming out of the, the late 80s and into the early to mid 90s, um, talk a little bit about the, um, you know, you talked about the council, but you're the political climate, you know, for those that are, are aware of what's going on today, uh, you know, what was it did it seem i mean you know it seems like the same thing's been playing for 200 years in muncie but uh i mean right. was the political climate as crazy what what was it back like back then for those that are, are listening that weren't there it hasn't changed much since back in the 90s um the climate <laughs> has always the climate has always been uh, unique for muncie yeah um, I'm trying to be polite too. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the, the Republicans, at least when I was in office, the, the county Republicans were very supportive. There wasn't any, um, you better make these decisions this way or that, that way. And I, I tried to make the right decisions for the city. And even if it, Picked off my own party at times on who I appointed uh, police chief or made a, uh, department head appointments. Um, I'm sure it wasn't the way I, I picked off my own party, but I, but I never had uh, anyone from Republican headquarters send or tell me how to do my job on a daily basis. Right. I know. I know it's a little different environment when you when you look at. 214, um, they have a lot, I think there was a lot of influence coming from the party chair during my four years, and uh, the Democrats would caucus a lot before a council meeting and work on their strategies uh, prior to that meeting. So they were always doing, um, they were always trying to influence and kind of um, make decisions from from 214 North Wall Street. Yeah, well, and, and, um, and, and for those that are listening, I just want to point this out. Not only was the party chair, Phil Nichols, a, a council person, but during that time, he was also the chair of the finance committee. Isn't that correct? Yeah, um, he was also the 
chair of the uh, the county party too. Yeah, right. So in in, in that one seat, you had you had a gentleman who was you know. Uh, was a had been a fireman, was the party chair, was a city councilor, the chair of the finance committee, which is a really powerful position within city government. And uh, you know, so that's that's uh, kind of interesting. In the back of the day, you had two Craycraft in there. You had Ernie uh, Brittle. Um, there was a there was a lot of uh, strong Adams. There was a lot of strong. Thomas uh, Tyler was a at the time, so you have some strong leaders there guiding, um, guiding, possibly controlling what was going on in City Hall. Yeah. And then you had Kerry Chung that was playing a key role. And that was a good, that had a really strong powerhouse over there. And they were also controlling a lot of county seats. And so, when you, when you look at city government and you look at the county government, it jobs. It needs jobs to the party. I mean, um, if, if the mayor gets in, he's going to elsewhere, or she's going to appoint, you know, two dozen department heads or so, and they're going to hopefully appoint uh, people of their, of, of their party. And those create um, opportunities for the, the party itself to receive funding um, through the, the employees in the department of making contributions to the, the party that they are associated with. When I came in the office, I didn't expect my my department as to um, give it, if they wanted to give to the party of their choice, they could, but I didn't expect them, and I didn't hold them accountable for for supporting the party. I think, yeah, if you work for me and you're a Democrat, uh, all I ask is to be uh, supportive, you're, you're loyal to me, and you're not working against me or, or my party. And um, and so, but the politics haven't changed a lot, I don't think. There's always been um, a lot of influence. I mean, also back in my day, I thought there was maybe three factions within the Democrat Party, so yeah, when the factions weren't playing well in the same box, then I think it was a bit, a lot easier for a Republican to come in and possibly win the election because you had the Firehouse Democrats, you had the Phil Sharp Democrats, and then you had the Steve Caldemeyer Democrats. So you had like three different groups. And at times they were in house with each other. And when that happened, um, it seemed like Republicans were pulling off more wins than than that so absolutely well let let me just ask you this a little bit here real quick after 1996 you know from 96 to now um you know you you do not currently live in months any longer what's before we get back to kind of you know looking at now and and moving ahead to the sure. future what uh what what are what are you currently involved with what are you know what are what are you doing now with your time sure um what i let's see and uh, so my children is a new Going in, going into nineteen ninety, in November nineteen ninety five, I wanted to give my party. I also wanted to give uh, my department heads the heads up early enough so that if they wanted to align themselves with um, other candidates, that I was not going to go for a second term. I enjoyed uh, sort of the public service piece and trying to 
solve neighborhood problems and help grow and make our city better. I just really do not care for the party politics that went along with the, with the job. And so then I was hoping to stay in Muncie, and then I interviewed at a couple jobs connected to Ball State, and uh, at the Ball State University, I was either overqualified or underqualified for some of those positions. And then I really couldn't, I really couldn't find a job that I, that I could, for a reason to stay. So then the boys guys, one of my former employers, said, well, we, 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 We'd like to have your back if you want to come back. So then I went back working out at the Indianapolis office, started in, in camping in the engine scout camps, and then uh, in outdoor programs. And then I went into field operations where I covered the west side of Indianapolis, Crawfordsville, Speedway, Carmel Fishers. And, and then when my time in is there, um, I became promotable, and then Minneapolis invited me to come up and be their chief operating officer in 2000, so then I left Indiana and ended up north. And then when I was scattered for about three months, people had decided that I was just tired of moving around all my life, and the Boy Scouts have a tendency to move people about every three to five years to different communities, and I was just tired of moving. Right. So then I decided to take a career change, and now I've been with the YMCA, uh, at the Twin Cities for almost 17 years. I am executive director of, a, of an urban city uh, branch in St. Paul, between uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And that's my primary role with the Y. And then I also, about three years ago, uh, took on an, an additional role. There's 17 YMCs in the state of Minnesota. And um, I'm the director of public policy that's got that's helped me get back into the political arena or the public service arena to a degree. I set up a lobby day at the state capitol for YMCA volunteers and staff. And also go out to DC and lobby on behalf of the YMDSA every year uh, in March. Uh, talk to our Minnesota delegation on, on bills or appropriations that may impacts the why on a negative or positive basis. And that's what my current roles are professionally, and I'm also very active in the community through the Chamber of Commerce, Lions Club, and Rotary, and I volunteered for the Final Four this year in March, and then I was up for the Super Bowl two years ago, so I tried to come back as much as I can to the I love. Yeah, good, good. Well, Ben, before we move on to looking at the, at the future, I do want to say something that I, I do think that you should be given credit for and, and definitely should be noted that during your time in office, um, you were um, a part of two pretty uh, spectacular and groundbreaking events which occurred, uh, which was um, appointing the, the city of Muncie's first African-American deputy mayor, uh, Walter Berry and the city's first uh, African American police chief. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Um, I felt I always felt going into the into the room uh, to um, make sure our city was inclusive, and then we also had our, uh, we appointed uh, talents. And I knew that I wanted my department and my team to reflect Muncie. 
And so I decided early on if, if I wanted uh, folks of color, diversity on my team, and I went after um, Walter Berry as my deputy, and uh, Ralph McCarrick. Yeah. Uh, when the chief's position came open, and I thought he was my best choice. And it was really ironic, uh, during the campaign trial, a lot of the um, minority churches in town were in Mayor Carey's camp. Right. And um, I recall even during the campaign trial that they would they were even buying full-page ads in the, in the two papers on election day and say, we want you all to go out and vote for Mayor Carey. And, um, and so then I even tried to um, campaign in, in, in Whiteley and in, in the black community and to tell that I was not getting a good reception. And then when I took office, uh, within the first month, uh, a bunch of, uh, probably a dozen concerning crazy men uh, wanting to be with me. And uh, yeah, that I became there and and they were concerned about, you know, who's this guy that we didn't support and what you done what he's being for. Right. And so when I took that and I you know, I said, just give me a chance to prove myself. I hope I was to be worthy to be a man. And um and I said, you know, I, I could have I could have went a different pathway, but that's not my value base. Sure. I kinda said, Well, you know, you guys didn't do anything for me during the campaign, so I'm not gonna do anything for you now. Right. But I didn't want to have that kind of an attitude, so I, I, just, I said, you know, just give me a chance, I'll prove to you that I'm worthy to be your man. And so then, um, when I, and I was very active with one of their minds, um, I would do my best to improve uh, the white right community, we did neighborhood cleanups, we had town meetings, um, and it quietly being in my department heads throughout the years. Uh, and then um, the B. Foster, who was the publisher of the Monkey Times, uh, my last uh, in my last uh, my last few months in the office, uh, I think the proudest moment I had was when they printed up their newspaper um, there towards the end of my term, and the whole newspaper was dedicated to my term and me as mayor. Yeah. And all the churches that had on the paper thanking me for my my service to the community and for being inclusive and diverse and really, you know, helping uh, folks of color play key roles in, in city government. Absolutely. And I also activated, I helped get uh, Monkey Black Expo um, down the right path. We, we gave them some free office space and we came real as one of the old uh, Buildings. We 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 built a public works garage. We I kept the deck down, but um, we also got the um, did some improvements at Tui Park with the water slide. And, and I also just really didn't want to go into debt as a mayor because it's not good for the citizens yeah. uh, have debt. And um, so we also I felt like I needed to deliver on um, public services, um, fire protection, police. And decent roads, and uh, and then we, we we invested. And then also during my um, and then I also tried to follow the master plan 
that is continues to evolve and run through the old Clancy Car Wars where one of the statues are right by the city hall. We had purchased that in my term and, and cleaned up the car wars area and then they, uh, put in some nice plantings and one of the statues there. Um, we, we tried to follow the master plan whenever we could. Sure. And then I also started a, a downtown revitalization group called the Heart of the City. At that time, John Bowles, who was one of the bank presidents for Star Bank, kind of that up. We had went up to Michigan a few attempts to um, see how other cities were renovated or rejuvenating their cities and really trying to bring them back from ghost towns. And then um, and also I testified in my four years in office to get uh, 67 four lanes, and that was selected um, D.C. and made a test, uh, test side before committee on that for some additional highway funds. Yeah. Overall, overall, it was a great, great experience. I think mean, just, you know, trying to be myself and trying to make the right decisions and not be influenced by too many folks along the way that go a certain path. Sure. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with us. Before we let you go here today, I, I do, I feel like I would probably be uh, amiss if I didn't ask you um, your thoughts on, on Muncie's current climate as somebody who's been in the seat, as somebody who's paid attention and, and has a history that you have. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about what's currently going on? You know, I, I know your your hometown is, is uh, now um, not Muncie. But this is, you know, home is always home, and uh, Muncie will always be my home. Absolutely, and, um, so, I'm still proud of Muncie. Um, I think the, the times today are extremely different than they were 25 years ago. Sure. Um, back in 25 years ago, factories were still farming. Um, I think our population was. 70,000 or so in the city. Um, Yorktown and other birds weren't, weren't growing quite like they were today. Um, we had fairly decent employment. The chamber was uh, really up there getting some pretty high paying jobs. Um, and so then we didn't really, I, I was not faced with, you know, one of the factories shutting down. I think they started that closed down under when Dan Cannon was mayor. Um, I think as I still come home a lot, a lot and, and notice things, I think the thing that I think I've noticed more in recent years is the, the rural conditions need some attention. Yeah. Um, the, the housing stock and some, some neighborhoods are starting to look uh, wore out. Need some attention. He's got all these vacant housing, um, houses throughout the city. The, the, the drug issues have been up there too. And now you got the, the cloud over the city through the, uh, the FBI investigation. I think, uh, when you look at the, what the mayor's done, the mayor's done a tremendous job. I mean, the downtown is probably the best I've ever seen it. I'm glad folks like uh, Mayor 
Cannon there maturely, and they're Tyler has continued to, to, to focus on the downtown revitalization. Um, it when the when the mushroom all came to town, and then we did the the downtown plaza for a period of time. It just seemed like it really forced the less businesses downtown and, and more up towards the mall. And it's, and it's really a cool downtown down in Tyler has really done a great job with, with the hotel and and just continuing some of those infrastructure um, projects. It really is a thriving, a much, a much greater thriving downtown than it's ever been before. Absolutely. And there's life downtown, and it's great to see that. Um, on some other projects, I question really if those were really high on, should have been higher on his radar. Like, I the village project. I don't. I don't, I struggle there. I don't, I, I don't know what the, the reasoning was to invest all that. The parking garage and, and everything in the village that Tyler has done. Um, now look at the village. It's struggling right now. Yeah. To some degree. I think the, the river project is a part of the master plan. And there's always been a thought that, you know, creating a you know, more entertainment district along the river and stuff. But to me, I think some of the things are great if you've got the, the tax base to do it. If you don't have a tax base to do it, then I think you gotta, you got to go back to your core services first. Yep, yep. And focus on housing, um, your city services, your streets. And I think those things are in, in job creation. I mean, are very important. The thing I when I went to this mayor race this year, I was really disappointed in the, the amount of our voters that came out to vote. Um, we had both parties had some great candidates uh, seeking the mayor's seat, and I thought with that number of qualified candidates and some some good candidates, but there were more people out there voting in the in the in the primary, maybe. We'll see something differently in the general election. I mean, a lot of times, too, um, when you go into a primary, folks don't like to vote after they declare if they're Democrat or Republican. And then yeah. also, if you've got a good candidate in the opposite party, you don't want to go and switch your party in the primary and then have that on your record. I mean, yeah. that's what has been a problem in the past with some voters. So I'm hoping that there'll be a better showing for turnout Absolutely. And if you look at the school district, it's all challenges of that, all states, uh, kind of guiding the school districts right now. But, you know, when you look at Muncie, to bring when I was there, you know, back, back in the day, we had some strong employment, uh, tax base was holding its own. Um, the school district was strong. 
And um, whoever's going to be the mayor uh, is definitely going to have to work that out. It's not going to be an easy road. I just hope that as we go into the fall election that there's a, that both uh, Perry and Dan um, share their visions of what we're mostly going to be in the next five or ten years. Because I think we need to know more about what the vision is. The group reflected on the past. I think in the primary, there was a more of a focus. I said, let's be more transparent. I want to be more transparent if I'm the mayor. Um, I want to end corruption if I'm your mayor. I think we all know what's out there. If you're, if you're active in the community, you know how transparent the government is or not. You know what problems the government's got if you're, if you're someone active in and I think we need to really focus on what is Muncie's future, what's Muncie's vision if I'm the next mayor, and what does that mean when it comes to city services, what does it mean when it comes to quality of life, what does it mean uh, when it comes to employment opportunities, you know, because when you look at uh, employment opportunities, if we're, if we're, if all states crank, uh, crank it out, you know, a good graduating class every year, how many of those students are able to find jobs in Muncie, Indiana? Yeah. Probably very few. And much of that going to grow if we, if we don't have the jobs. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, I, I appreciate also, you. Go ahead. I have one more to come if you Sure. Mind. I want to weigh in on the EMS uh, oh, yes. project. Um, um, I, I don't get it. Um, I think we, what Muncie's what, what, what got right now is very good. I think the Delaware County EMS service has been top-notch, stellar. Um, I don't, to me, why don't you take the, you know, the Delaware County service and create some space in the fire stations and have them based out of the fire stations if you want more direct response from the neighborhoods. But, you know, I've always been a big believer, and this is probably because of Senator Richard Lugo, but short services, um, you guys, anytime that you can work together with different government entities to save the taxpayer money and to provide a quality service, that's what, what that's what citizens want. They yeah. don't want duplication of services. And I, I just don't, I, we can't afford, the city can't afford an EMS service right now. Yep. And I just don't know why we're going down that pathway. I think it's definitely another thing that, I mean, I, I, when I was there, the worst thing that I wanted to do, I think one thing that became controversial when I was there, I wanted to take over the Medallion Road. Yeah. Um, uh, it, all the way to, uh, I don't know where, when it was, when it was 332, uh, there, was, there was a group of business people that wanted me to take over uh, McGallion Road and, and make that a part of the city's uh, road. Well, I evaluated it. I, I thought it was a great idea. I then I got a lot of negative feedback from folks who said, you don't want to take on some highway that the highway is responsible for. And so then I, after some, a lot of fire and a lot of feedback from folks, I said, that wasn't a good decision on my part, so we're not going to go with it. But um, I hope that somewhere along the way that, that they put the brakes on this project, but I don't know. It seems like they're, they're getting closer and closer to having uh, a much EMS service that, is, to me, is not really necessary. 
Yeah, I, I'm actually glad. I, I I don't know why or what was going on that I completely skipped that off my questions, but I am glad that you commented on that. You are definitely correct. We had a finance committee meeting Friday that was very contentious and and uh, uh, I'll say it just absolutely downright, in my opinion, disrespectful on both sides. Um my dad used to say, figuratively speaking, when watching a football or basketball game, which he wasn't uh, rooting for either side, that this is one that you just kind of wish the ca- roof caves in on. And and I'll be really yep. honest, listening to both um, Mayor Dennis Tyler and uh, Councillor Powell uh, going back and forth at each other and then Chief Bell, I just, I did not understand what, I mean, it... That was not something that should have occurred in that manner. Uh, I think it's both sides matter. were. Just, yeah. Especially when you're, especially when you're from the same party. So yeah, yeah. Probably be having those conversations at two fourteen, <laughs> or in the council chambers. Yeah. And you keep kind of getting their, their stuff in order before you go out there publicly. But I, I feel like, yeah, that. I don't think I don't know where if the city had the money and it made sense. You you bet I'd probably support it, but I just don't see how it makes sense at this point. And how, and how can we afford it? Absolutely. You know, we look at some, we look at some of our other services that aren't being met at a higher quality, or if you look at some of the road conditions, or you look at some of the um, you look at some of the housing, uh, even like you know. How much do we invest in our pump system? You know, right. we, have some, we, have some, we have certain areas that you just can't invest in because you don't have the resources. And, and I think those are just going to take away from those other resources. Absolutely. Well, and and it, we we will definitely see. We have another uh, meeting scheduled for Monday from five thirty to seven at at the Muncie City Hall inside City Council Chambers. So I guess we'll we'll wait and see what happens uh, at that meeting on Monday. Um, okay. I do. Good. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to try to let people know where they're at. And I, I, I definitely am still engaged. And Lindsay, um, I love Lindsay. I think Lindsay is a great city. And we'll continue to be great. And um, hope that uh, our next mayor is going to be there to really take it to the next level. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, former mayor. David Dominic, I want to appreciate you. I want to I want to say thank you, and I appreciate you uh, for taking the time to talk with us today. And uh, I, uh, I appreciate uh, all the interaction that you've had with me and and uh, different folks uh, on on my Facebook page and and on the show. Uh, I want to let everybody know that they can catch this and all other of the audio episodes at perception.fireside.fm. Again, that's perception. .fireside.fm Of course you can catch the video versions at Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook. Uh, I want to uh, again say thank you to uh, former Mayor David Dominic. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, anytime you have something to say or, or want to interact, you're more than welcome uh, to do so. I, uh, I definitely have a, a shirt coming your way, so I'll have to get with you behind the scenes and I'll, I'll get that to you. Sounds but uh, good. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time with us today. And, uh, thank we'll, you, uh, we'll, and I appreciate it as well. 
how you do for uh, keeping citizens informed on what's going on with city government. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you, sir, and and we will uh, keep in touch. Have a great day. Take thank care. Thank you. You Bye. too. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, well, folks, that was former Mayor of Muncie, David Dominic, the 26th Mayor of Muncie. I want to thank him for all of his time that he gave us on the show today. I want to thank you all for listening. Sorry this was a day late. I'm going to try to do better with that, but when you have to meet a guest at their time, that's what you got to do. Thank you all for listening. If you have any input or thoughts, or if you want to communicate with the show, you can absolutely do that by getting me on on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbury. Put it on my wall or send me a private message. You can also email me at khbilbury at gmail.com or as always, you can call or text me at 765-546-9796. Thank you for listening. God bless you one and all. Help spread the message. They can find the show by simply doing a search engine search for Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. You can find us at our home station at perception.fireside.fm or on all major podcast hosting sites. Until next time, which is Tuesday, have a great evening, have a great beginning of your week, and let's make government better through citizen involvement. God bless. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.